Welcome to the Pinch Music Podcast, episode number 58. Today is the day we've all been waiting for, the day that I've been waiting for, the day the monkey has been waiting for, and the pickle boy has been waiting for as well. We are talking about can. We're talking the, about can. Can. We're doing the band. We're doing the band can. Yeah. That was the song Pinch. And for those of you guys who don't know, and girls who don't know, uh, the um, podcast and the studio was named after a can song. The can song is Pinch, and that's what we were just just hearing. And the outro uh, will be another little tidbit. Hmm, very nice. And it's also a big podcast for another reason. Why is it a big which podcast? Is Scott let Nick out of his cage. I'm out of the cage, baby. Nick is out of the cage. He's on the couch, and Jim is like four feet higher because he's making the couch go up higher because he's on the other side. The you, two of them are on a couch. You're doing a mm. terrible job of painting that picture for the audio listeners. The two of you are on the couch, and I'm standing above you. Yes. Oh, Lord. We're all in the same room for the first time in over a year. We are recording this episode in the same room since the first time we did really what we were calling panels with panels when we brought Jim on as like a special guest host and then we've blossomed into this show. It so. felt so good that, you know, I got to say, I feel like I can't get farther enough away from you guys. <laughs> like, and I can't stand up as much because now it doesn't make as much sense. So yeah. now I feel like I got to sit down. Interesting. You guys are in the same room. So we're in the same room because we've been vaccinated. We've all gotten the vaccine. How was your vaccine experience? Nick got sick, Jim got sick, and I got sick. We I didn't all, get that sick. We all had Pfizer, right? I got, yeah. We all, all had Pfizer. Pfizer, I, uh, Pfizer I was, friends. I was, uh, I what felt, do you mean? I felt a little crummy, and then I kind of just slept it off, and I felt fine. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what everybody felt I meant um, by, like, sick. But, I mean, that is your baseline anyway, as a lot of we know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. 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 As, a lot of, as a lot of us know. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's been, uh, we missed a week, actually. So we it's did. been two weeks in the making, this episode of Can, And so we've had our time to study. We didn't, we want, you know, we didn't want to rush it. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think we are rushing it anyway. Nick basically just threw on some songs that I told him to throw on. Yes. Nice. Um, and I feel like Jim already had an understanding of Can. Um, but the last band we did was the Beatles. This mm-hmm. is going to be Can, And then, therefore, the next one should be Mariah Carey. Wu Tang Clan, you're saying Wu Tang Clan? Yes, I think mm-hmm. I think the next logical I'm th- I'm step in, in our uh, band yeah. uh, episode should be the Wu Tang Clan. But you know, let we'll get to that when we get to that. Basically, what we were doing is uh, we just started some episodes where we're going to take one band and go fully deep into that band, and we did that with the Beatles, and then we had a little bit of fun with uh, my playlist episode, my birthday playlist episode. It was fun. It was silly. It was goofy. It was just us to have a nice time. But then I said to Scott, you know, for those who do listen to this podcast that want to nerd out about music and are kind of like us where we're pretentious, we should get super pretentious. And what better way than do a Krautrock pioneering band can that is majorly influential, influential on Scott's life and everything that we do here at the Pinch Music Podcast and Paper House Network that... Yeah, let's get weird. Let's get into Can. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Can is a great band to be pretentious, but also they cover everything. Yeah, um, they do it all. They're jazz. They're avant garde. They're classical. They're pop. I mean, they could be construed as one of the best pop bands of all time. <laughs> That's really something, Scott. But should we? Since the last band we did was the Beatles, so we didn't have to be like, well, the Beatles were a band, and they're from Liverpool. You know, we didn't have to tell anyone who the Beatles were. Yeah, should we talk a little about? I do think so. Who I, Can I think is? a lot of people. I, I feel think- like I haven't seen like it's like Jim from the live room and Nick from the booth. <laughs> this is like what we were saying the first time we got off Zoom in the fall. It was like, right. oh, it's it's him from Zoom. It's yeah. Nick from Zoom. Yeah, but I, yeah. So how did we do it? I, I think we should. I think definitely think we should go over who Can is because I th- think many people do not know who the band Can is. I know I'm only familiar with them because I know Scotlander, and I still wouldn't consider my, like I don't know a lot of them, and it was kind of fun digging through all their albums and stuff. And uh, I was kind of surprised with some of the things I found, but we'll get into that. Uh, but Jim, yeah, let's uh, mm-hmm. give a little brief history of, of the band. Sure. So, I mean, they're famously a kraut rock band. Scott, I don't know if you can inform me more on this. Would you say they were like one of the founders of kraut rock or not necessarily? 
Not necessarily. And in mm-hmm. fact, a lot of times when people are talking about kraut rock, can doesn't necessarily come up because a lot of people are always think craft work or mm-hmm. I'm on dual two, yeah. you know, or noi. Yeah. But can sure. really is the quintessential kraut rock band mm-hmm. as far as as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And kraut rock, for those of you guys who don't know kraut rock is, kraut rock kraut rock was sort of a, a cultural movement more than anything, um, of young German uh almost hippies from mm-hmm. the late 60s through the 70s uh, and, and through the 80s and still arguably till today. Mm-hmm. But really the big movement of Krautrock was from the late 60s to the, to the mid 70s in Germany of hippies, basically sort of underground avant-garde counterculture uh, movement of German psychedelic. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think it's like Ramstein, like do us, yeah. you know, which has its own place. We, we've played mm-hmm. that on the podcast before, but it is not that. In fact, it's the complete opposite. It's yeah. hippie music, space rock. Yeah. And in fact, a lot of the kraut rock bands don't want to be called kraut rock. They'd rather be called um, cosmic rock or cosmic rock. Mm-hmm. And that was a bad pronunciation. Cosmish. Du hast. Cosmish. But. You know, a lot of them want to be called cosmic rock because that's really kind of what it is. It's sort of space rock, psychedelic rock, you know, prog, jazz, avant-garde. Mm-hmm. It has a little bit of everything. It's repetitive. Yeah. It's polyrhythmic. It's, you know, trans- transcendental, ambient, um, and all of the above. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, then the, the band themselves, they're formed in, I want to say, they're from the late 60s. 68 was their first actual year. But their origins is basically Ermin Schmidt, who's the keyboard player and synth player and whatever. The synth lord of um, Can. Was, came from a avant-garde classical background, as did uh, Holger Tsuke and um, Yaki. Da- David Johnson. Yaki Libizet was a jazz drummer. Yeah. So, But th- those three, not, not Yaki, but came from like an avant-garde classical background, not really a rock background. And then Ermin Schmidt apparently took a trip to New York and was exposed to sort of the avant-garde rock scene, um, as well as Andy Warhol and sort of New York's weird pop stayed and avant-garde at, he stayed at Chelsea art Hotel, scene. didn't he? Um, yes, exactly. So he basically went back and said, I want to like do sort of this avant-garde classical thing, but to rock music. And so he got these other guys he knew that were avant-garde classical musicians, and they added Yaki Leibowitz, who, as Scott said, was a, a jazz drummer. Um, and then they brought... Leibowitz. Leibowitz, excuse me. Um, and then their first vocalist, whose name is actually escaping me right now... Malcolm Mooney. Um, yeah, exactly. was actually from... He was a sculptor and artist from New York. So I don't know if he kind of like met him on that trip and brought him back or something like that. But um, there was definitely something to that trip to New York that kind of sparked the whole thing. Yeah, and I think we'll get into more of the members as we listen to the music. And as we go through it, we can talk about the different members. You know, And what we did with this is we, we broke it down by early, mid, and late, which I think is a great way of doing this when yeah. we're talking about bands is to, is to do throughout their career the early, mid, and late mm-hmm. uh, periods of, of what they were doing. And we'll get into all that stuff as we go through. So what do you think? Should we start listening to the music? Let's, Let's jump it. in. The- Can we? Can we? Oh, touche. You, you beat me to it. I have to skip to some of the vocals. So that is Thief off the album Delay 1968, and that was with with the original singer Malcolm Mooney, who was probably not the best-known singer from the band. But um, And as we said, he was actually more known as a sculptor than as a musician. So I think this is something Can and a lot of these experimental bands might do, is bring in a guy who's not really even a musician, and he's literally singing for them. Well, he was actually a singer when he was younger. Mm -hmm. He was in like Mm -hmm. a boys' choir or something Oh, interesting. 
But yeah, I mean, Malcolm Mooney was like an American living in Germany. He moved to Germany yeah. and they discovered him. And mm. he, you know, like the early, the early can, first of all, mm. this record wasn't released until 81. Right. Well, Scott's, Scott's just going right in on thing? my pick. I'm sorry. It's hard for me not to take <laughs> over a can. But go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No. So as Scott said, so this, this album, they, you know, it's called Delay 1968, and that is, you know, they recorded and tried to release it in 1968. No record label would would pick it up. So the album actually was not released until um, ni- 1980, after they had already had some fame or actually sort of on the downward or, you know, really end of their career. And someone wanted to milk them for some more money. But the song was actually released as a single uh, in in 1970 by itself. But I, I think you can definitely hear that it is it, it's early. They haven't they definitely haven't fully come into their sound yet. It's trancey and it's experimental and psychedelic. But I, I don't think you're getting that like classic can those bass lines and kind of the weirdness of the vocals of the middle period of can. Um but to me it's it's just really cool to hear well, I can definitely see like this is how can started coming into their own. I when I was listening to this playlist on my walk here today, I realized something and more or less in their later stuff to kind of go with what what Jim just said is they incorporate later in their music so much stuff, so many instruments, so many effects, so many noises, so many just this that and it, and their early stuff really doesn't and it makes me kind of wonder like and I'm sure we're going to get into that but Scott like their early stuff as opposed to even their middle stuff like what were like what did they just evolve as a band or was there something that happened that made them like especially in the studio like what happened to them that made them go from basically just making this song that we just heard to well i think as any musician you develop you know you become you know you have a different relationship with your instruments and your process and your production and your music writing and stuff like that um but you know, in the in the early can, I love early can because it's almost punk music. You know, mm. it's very Lower East Side, like dirty grunge punk music, mm-hmm. but played by German yeah. hippies. It's like a Velvet Underground feel, sort of. But it's more, it's more repetitive. It's extremely repetitive, yeah. and you have this this crazy artist guy who is somewhat mentally ill. You know, he mm-hmm. had to leave the band because he was advised that he was going crazy and it would probably be better for him to not be playing wow. in can. I want to just interrupt that. I was actually going to draw some parallels to early Pink Floyd. Right. With, with, with what Baird. they're doing. Yeah. But like also sort of music in and some Sid ways. And Sid Baird went crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Musically as well. But that, sorry, that's just a funny comparison. Yeah. That's a really cool. Yeah. And, and Pink Floyd was also a pop band. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you know what's funny about that? And I don't want to cut you off because you're in the middle of that. But I was, when I was listening to this, I thought, and I'm not trying trying to debate the definition of pop but we do that often i was actually i i came up with the idea that if for those who don't know who it can is or what they sound like imagine the beatles if the beatles deliberately tried not to make pop hits i don't know if i agree with that but that's interesting it certainly i I think when we keep keep that in the back of your head i want to talk about a little bit about what you're talking about with the way the sound is changing and you think at the end there's a lot of stuff and in the beginning there's not quite as much let's go to the next track and then i'm going to speak to it yeah I can hear the train whistle outside my door. That is Malcolm Mooney. Oh, sorry. That's your pick. Sorry. Yes, that was my pick. Outside My Door by Can off the album Monster Movie. Uh, this song, to me, when I heard it, and once again, I don't know a ton about Can, so I've kind of listened to these songs for the first time ever, and I really like this, A, because of that harmonica. Kind of reminded me of a, a Western that Jim and I used to, we talked about that one song. 
um, I'm derailing. Once upon a time in the West. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So anyway, I really enjoy that. But it, this sound, if you don't know better, and I said, oh yeah, this is from the uh, the British Invasion. It's like a, a Brit pop song, a, a, like a the the early Who, and you're like, oh yeah, cool. The difference is the vocals. Like what I love about these this early stuff is the vocals are so bad, right? Where it's like they're they're bad in the best possible way, and not in like a Bob Dylan way. In only a Krautrock can way, in yeah. an early can way. That's it. Mm-hmm. No band really sounds like can in the sense of the nastiness of these. And I just, it's, I, it's so it's punk rock, like you just well, said. Yeah, it sounds, but like, it's different. It's avant garde punk rock. Yeah. You know, so it's it's a little bit different because the anger is is different because it's more experimental and it's more um, hypnotic than angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and um, they first started, like most of the music that they were doing in the early can was for soundtracks. Uh, they did a ton of, of avant-garde. For film? For film. Yeah. They were mm-hmm. making music for film. Um, yeah. and, 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 you know, crazy films, which I don't even know if are available or not or what. Who knows? Um, crazy German films usually involve avant-garde German films. Yeah, you, <laughs> you. I've already painted the picture in your head, listeners. I don't have to say it. Um, but again, you know, uh, the the Can is really well known for their production because well, they had two big areas where they recorded. One mm. was a castle, so they took over a castle, um, which was called. I have a, a Wikipedia link here. What was it called? Sorry. Uh, Schlaus Norven Nick. You like that? Uh-huh. Do you like how it said Nick at the end? Yeah. Um, and they took over a castle and it, it became sort of an artist commune, right? Mm. So they took a big room in the castle and they turned it into a recording studio. And so they, they, a lot of the early can was recorded in this, in this castle and can is really well known for recording everything to two track tape. Hmm. So it's funny we talked about some of that with the Beatles, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. But here, very, you know, they did this all the way through to the mid seventies, and and mm-hmm. we'll talk about when that transition happened, yeah. and that's probably yeah. a lot of what you're hearing is that through even through Future Days, mm-hmm. they were recording, which is like end of middle can, mm-hmm. they were recording two track tape. So when you do a two track, is that is that just stereo, or is that like some yeah. stuff's on one track? The first track sums on the second track. It's it, typically it's all what they were doing mm-hmm. is basically recording their jams all yeah. live yeah. off a console. So you know you'd have mm-hmm. a sixteen channel console or whatever, and you do a, a mix on the console, and then just go mm-hmm. straight to two two track. Think of a cassette. Yeah, It'd be just like recording onto a cassette, like mm-hmm. a really high quality cassette. Sure. Yeah. You know, and Holger Zuke, who's the bass player of the band, was the tape editor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, by the end of can ended up was just the guy editing tape. He wasn't even playing bass right. anymore, yeah. but, um, he would go through the hours and hours of the tape jams that they did and edit together songs. Mm-hmm. And the, the, so- the edits are very raw. You can hear clear edit points where oh, it's like, yeah, okay, that was funny. not a performance. That yeah. was an edit. Mm-hmm. But what's amazing is that so many of these records are done live. These guys are playing these live and up until I think, um, uh, Tago Mago was the last record I believe that was done in the castle, mm-hmm. and then with Eggbom Yasi they moved on to a different studio. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's go. I think to- it was Inner Space Studios, right? Yeah, yeah, and we'll get into all that fun stuff in a bit. Should we go on? Let's move on. So that is the band Can from yeah. the album Soundtracks, and mm-hmm. uh, the title is Deadlock. So a lot of these, these are all um, songs from soundtracks that they did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, I think one of the big differences differences between Can and like early punk rock 
is you're dealing with jazz musicians with yeah. trained musicians yeah. versus punk rock where it was like you really were just like learning how to play three chords and just being angry and that was enough yeah mm-hmm. you know so you take you take that and you 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 add the rawness and you end up with something like that um but here you enter demo suzuki who was the second singer for can um the the bass band is still the same but demo i feel like you have a uh are you have a story about demo because you look like you want to say no, something. No, go no. Because you really. can, you can give the it. The thing me. I was going to say is, it's very confusing how they have the singer named Suzuki, who's Japanese, and then German guy Tsuke. It's, yeah, Holger. Such similar names. It's it's very one Suzuki me. and the other one is Tsuke. Yeah. Um, but you enter Demo. So Demo mm-hmm. is this crazy fucking Japanese poet, avant-garde traveler, space mm-hmm. cadet, like. Uh, this guy has got to be the worst singer in, ever, but the best singer mm-hmm. of all time. Yeah, I, this guy's singing enters my spine mm-hmm. and just makes me go, "Oh my god!" Like yeah. I absolutely, it just it and just they, does it yeah. for me. And they just found him busking in, uh, in Munich. Exactly, that's how they yeah. discovered him. Yeah, so they were they were playing. What was he, what was he doing? Busking. What's that? Playing on the street. Oh, why did you say that then? Because it's called because it's, it's called busking. Do people know How do that? you not know that? I've never heard yes, that. Yes, people yes. know that. It's a pretty common Especially thing. in New York. Anyway, it's called busking. So yeah, he was traveling around Europe. Uh, he's Japanese. He was traveling around Europe, dr- around Germany, and they saw him busking on the street, and they decided to make him the singer, and he played that night. Uh, wow. He played that, that night, night with them, a show, yeah. and then- Make up the lyrics? Yeah, so a lot of can is improvisational. You know, they would do like I, you know, they would do um, hours of jams, and it's all improv. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they would make songs from the tape edits, and then they would, you know, recreate those songs based on the tape edits. So yeah, when you played shows, they could play songs, but they were all originally based off improvisations. Wild. Well, the videos of Can in this era are crazy. Like if you go on YouTube and you find some of the classic can videos with tar- with uh, Demo Suzuki singing, the guy is just crazy, man. Crazy how yeah, though? Man. Like psychedelic, uh, wild, like um, just there's not there's nothing quite like it. And most people mm-hmm. will hate it. They yeah. really will. Most people will hate oh, it. Oh yeah. If you come up listening to like '90s radio music or whatever, 2000s, 2020 radio music, it does not connect with that stuff at all. Well, I was going to say this song in particular, it almost sounds, and this is not a critique or an insult, but it sounds as if the parts, all the parts being played shouldn't be being played together. Like the drums, the vocals, the piano, and the guitar all seem like they're doing their own thing. And yet somehow it meshes, but it doesn't seem like if you were to study... Like the study of the song, like that's no no way should that piano and guitar ever be on music together, and yet, yeah, I, I, I mean, don't think I don't, so. Yeah. I mean, you could say the same about jazz. Well, that's probably why it's jazz influenced, is because and that's the jazz influence. Then I guess speaking what, of which, jazz mm-hmm. is everything. Everything is jazz, and I do have a merch store as seen on Nick's merch store. That's right, folks. If you go to my Instagram, that's go for Nick Angelo on Instagram. You can find me on the show notes. I have a merch store where you can find some awesome merch that is sponsored or uh, spawned from this podcast, including the Jazz is Everything, Everything is Jazz T-shirt, which I need to get. I wish you would get me one because I don't want to have to buy it. But in the front, it says Jazz is Everything. On the back, it says Everything is Jazz. I mean, come on. There it is, mm. and maybe you're getting one. Maybe you're getting one. I don't know. Is it Christmas yet? Yeah, I think there is something about it all fitting together. Is in like one is that it's it's sort of minimalist in some ways, and so they're really giving the other instruments space, and it's repetitive. So even if it might feel slightly disjointed, it almost starts after you hear a few repetitions. You can start to feel that like that almost like disjointed groove. This was the first can song I ever heard, and I I remember it distinctly. Like I remember. Every time I hear this, it brings me right back to that place, mm. smoking clove cigarettes, taking LSD and shit. Like, you know, and like. <laughs> is that a common combo, clove cigarettes and LSD? That's For me, jazz. it is. That's, that's what. Yeah. That's every jazz. time I smoke clove cigarettes, yeah. it reminds me of, yeah. of, of that's, LSD. By the way, it is 420 it is today. 420. But yesterday, oh, more importantly, was Bicycle Day, which is the day LSD was first taken. Interesting. So, 
I like the idea that you smoke clove cigarettes and LSD, and that goes as well together as well the the piano and guitar in that song. But it, it shouldn't is, go together. The thing but it is does. About this is the drums. One thing that I always notice about Can is that the drums are really loud. Mm. Yeah, they're mixed really loud, and I and 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 that's by design because it, they are everything, and everything are those drums. Mm. Is that they're repetitive, groove based jazz drums. And then everything else kind of goes on top of it, like you're saying. Like the guitar is sort of floating around. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have one part. That's because the the bass is sort of staying the same, meaning the foundation mm. is sort of like this repetitive groove. And mm. it's like, what the hell is happening right now? Yeah, and that that was and so let me ask you then with the the drums being so recorded so loud during their live shows, was it easy to get that same sound with the drums? Well, that's why you have to go to YouTube and and type in Tagamago Can Live Live. Uh, with Demo Suzuki. And yes, I mean, you get the same effect. It's crazy. You know what else I like live? What? A live read with Tidbit Jim. No way. Yep. When Malcolm Mooney left Cannes after recording their first album, Monster Movie, Holger Tsuke and Yaki Liebesit encountered Suzuki busking in Munich, Germany, whilst the two were sitting outside a street cafe. They invited him to join the group, and he did, performing with them that evening. Nick is dying. <laughs> wow. Beautiful. Man, you're getting better it every was, time. It was, that was so, well, that, yeah. it was, first off, it was the first time we were in the same room together, so that really caught me. Just wait. When Jim comes in with his live read, it gets me every time. Really then, live now. And then the the music was so just interrupting. <laughs> it was so distracting for Jim, and I'm sitting on the same couch with him, and I didn't want to start shaking from laughing, which made it even worse. I- yeah. I was trying to move around the but it's 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 Stockhausen, so it's it's weird and crazy. Is this from and the German. Stockhausen syndrome? <laughs> <laughs> um I don't believe so, no, but that's uh Stockholm syndrome. Oh, that's why Nick but, is in love with me. No, yeah. this is uh this is when the pianist falls in love with the composer. Mm. The that's what, what she, falls in love with the composer? Yeah. <laughs> um but it's Clavier Stuck five. Oh. Um, by Stockhausen. And one, I mean, I think there's a good connection to Can just because it's weird and experimental. But more directly, um, Ermin Schmidt and Holger Tsuke studied under Stockhausen, which I think, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, Stockhausen is a very experimental 20th century classical composer, did a lot with electronic music, sort of moving synthesizers and all that forward. Um but I think it just adds to that layers of can where it's like, oh, they are coming from a very um, academic schooled classical well, background. By, by by studying under them, you mean they but took LSD together? <laughs> yeah, but uh, but it's not. They're not studying Bach and Vivaldi. It's it's this. They're studying twentieth century weirdness. Yeah, and avant garde stuff. So. You know, it was just a huge influence on them. That's really cool, and that's something yeah. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And what a great lesson that we've learned here from from uh, Tidbit Jim and the Reed. He's getting really good at the reads. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm telling you, we should spawn this off in its own ep- on its own its own show. But Thanks. you know, I think I feel like I need a robe and a and a pipe. Let's a go. Fireplace. Let's go to the next tune.
That is the album Tago Mago, and the song is Halalua. Is that how they pronounce yeah. it? Halalua. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this song is close to 20 minutes long. It's it's all over the place, and it's I picked it because it's funky as fuck. I mean hmm. that that's funk like that is a funky jam band. And when I first found out who Can was, like Scott told me that his band Can, blah blah blah, Can Can Can. This is the kind of the album. This and the next album were the albums that I listened to, and this is what I associate with Can. Kind of that long, psychedelic, funky jam band. And this song really is like right up my alley. So I'm really I'm glad I got to pick this song because. I listen to this. this is something I listen to. Before I forget about any all of this, there's a couple mm-hmm. of points I want to make. One, it Spotify drives me crazy sometimes because the the best album cover for Togo Mago is is the big orange brain. Brain but mm-hmm. it's like yeah. it's like a it's like a head. Yeah, what, what like do they head. have? Right here they have them playing live mm. with Demo's hair. Interesting. Right, but like the brain, uh, Nick was actually mm-hmm. saying he wanted to get a poster of the brain mm. uh, above your it. desk. We have a giant white wall right next to my desk upstairs, and I wanted to paint the uh, the orange with the orange paint the Tago Mago. Album Which, cover. by the way, would be amazing. Which we be should amazing. Make, you should talk to your boy next door. But I, I, I think I might just that seems like a lot of work. So we might just do uh, the Beatles, the Beatles album, and just write the Beatles on the white wall. And there yeah. You go. Which would be a lot Very easier. Funny. A lot easier. Very funny. A lot easier, but less cool. <laughs> um, the other thing is, this originally was side B to one of their only singles. You know what single that was? Is it on Tagamango? Let me give you a hint, Nick. I'm going to play it for you. Is it the Turtles? That's the same song. Is it the uh, the Turtle song? Yeah. This was the single, and Hallelujah was the B side. So this is what... Let uh, me play this. That was a tape edit. I gotta get to the singing because it's so good. Turtle has have short regs, okay. not for rocking. First off, so the reason why <laughs> Come on. the first the, so the reason why Scott threw that to me this is one of my favorites is because this song is first off it's awesome. Second off, it's it's used by a hip hop uh, artist that I've mentioned many times on this show, uh, Bus Driver. Uh, he sampled that 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 song, and Can actually is sampled in a lot of music. Not as mm-hmm. much popular hip hop as you would think, but it's sampled a ton. But after hearing that, and we're talking about turtles have short legs. Tell me that my initial reaction. Tell me that when you hear that song, someone didn't say, all right, Ringo, you get a song. It's this one about turtles, but try not to make it go pop. No. Nope. That's exactly what's happening here. Nope. The only person who can write a song about turtles have short regs is Demo Suzuki. I guess. I Come mean, on. I'm turtles just, have short I'm legs? The How great of, is that? I'm just saying the sound of the song. If you had to explain- It doesn't it, sound like the Beatles. It sounds like the Beatles if the Beatles not. were trying not to be popular. I will say one thing you said there is, is true, which is- out of all the Beatles, it sound, sounded that particular song did sound Ringo-ish. Yeah, very Ringo-ish. But I disagree. I, um, Maybe because of the piano. Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying, I'm just saying like the the mu- I'm, I, What I'm doing is I'm I'm complimenting Can in the highest form I I possibly can, and that's comparing them to the Beatles. Okay. I'm comparing them to the Beatles, as in the ultimate the ultimate compliment is I think this band is very Beatles-esque, if. And how would I describe it? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe if the Beatles were like, let's just make a wild album that no one would like. Yeah. I think the Beatles went. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I, I think they went to some of these places in like the White Album, maybe, or like Magical Mystery Tour. But, you know, overall, I'm not I'm not totally feeling that that comparison i feel like a little bit and, and I, I think it's an interesting I, I do think it's an interesting comparison i don't want i don't want to I, like will, com- I will give merit to yeah. the comparison yeah i don't want to compare them in the sense of like yeah can's right up there with the beatles but if i had to describe can and compliment them at the same time like think of the beatles if the beatles were being yeah. super weird now I, I should say we are now into the middle of their of their mm-hmm. career and this yeah. for me and i think for probably everybody is the most fruitful time of their career yeah. and that and that is starting with demo suzuki 
Um, you know, soundtrack is just clearly great. But when you get into Togo Mago, this next album, the album after that, these three records are probably, you know, these 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 are three of the most influential records of all time. You know, and so mm-hmm. let's get into the second choice of this, which is probably the most popular uh, hipster can song, I would say. For sure. A delicate, a big, a air, a brain, a mommy hold on, a family in cash, a beautiful blows, a stay at the corner. So that is Vitamin C off the album, cannot pronounce it, of course, but Egg Bamyasi. I think it's means, Egg Bamyasi. Yeah, which means, in Turkish, means Aegean okra, which actually always, always had a strong connection with that since my my family is Greek. But um, And also my grandmother, who was a wonderful cook, used to make okra as a side dish and everyone hated it. Really? But otherwise, she was a fantastic cook. Did you like it? No, disgusting. What's okra? Is it like a bean? It's what's on the cover. Is of it like yeah. a bean? It's a, it's it's like a long green veggie. Yeah, it's this thing so right because the, the the cover of the album uh-huh. it looks like a can of beans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's okra. Yeah, but Just helping paint the picture for the listeners. Yeah, but most people know what okra is and what busking is. I don't think FYI, so. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. But the, it, the the cover is a can of of okra, so I'm sure there's some. Some meaning behind that. But anyway, like Scott said, very likely their most famous song, at least now. I don't know if it was necessarily the biggest hit at the time. It I wasn't think, to- the the, um, the top of the charts they ever got mm-hmm. was 29. Yeah. And well, we'll, we'll get into the, which one that yeah. is. The song um, Spoon, which was a single, which they kind of added on to this album, I peaked on the German charts at, at number six. Really? So that was kind of like a hit. It was a big deal for Kane, and they kind of released this album on the heels of that and it propelled them not that they were the biggest some one of the biggest bands but kind of as big as they got in the in the pop world perhaps or at least in the popular music i mean world. for a band of this yeah. for a band this crazy and psychedelic for them to get the notor- notoriety and the, and how influential they were is is yeah. pretty incredible yeah. Th- this song is awesome it's probably mm-hmm. my favorite can song which yeah. probably make, I mean, you mean yeah but think about it. this this was done live there's no mixing there's mm-hmm. no editing i mean there's mixing i guess live like why you're recording it or you know like you're getting sounds and stuff but like you know it's you just don't you just don't get it I like know. this anymore like the rawness it's raw as fuck mm-hmm. and why why is it that music now excuse me why is it that music now is 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 not raw well, we might just be too old to to be aware of of the of it. No, but, I don't think so. Um, no, I mean, there's like, a lot of reasons. One, because it's now it's been done. If you come in and try to be can, it'll be like, well, you're just trying yeah, to but be all, can. Yeah, but also like modern music has been done too. Yeah, what true. are you saying by raw though? Like live? And like just- the, yeah, like the production is is minimal in, in the sense of it's it's you know it, you feel like you're in the room with because them. the reason the the reason why is because you don't have to do that because because we can not be minimal there's so yeah, but much no in, these guys in, could not be minimal by the by the mid 70s you know like at this stage they you know well yeah then but i'm saying if you're think asking about now, what the beatles had already released if you're asking in 2021 mm-hmm. why aren't we being raw and minimals because that doesn't even exist it's it's not a, we're too ahead of our time it does exist i mean it's the same thing it's like when you say the reason why you're sitting in front of that that api console right now the one thing that you always said it was like you don't want to record in the box you don't want you want to have that raw sound but it's but still like that's a state-of-the-art console you have we're just ahead we're just too ahead of the time it's hard to go back to sound that raw just because we can't do it it's it's just not it's not available it's like trying to i want to get this i want to do this movie on vhs it's like well i don't think you really can well i think you can and i love that we're using can so much and now that now that i'm thinking about it you can't stop yeah 
can't, you can't yeah. stop but the, this. The name actually came more from that meaning, though, right? Can't, because they wanted, like, they thought that the word can in many languages had a positive connotation. Well, originally the band was called yeah. Inner Space. Yes. And then Malcolm Mooney changed mm-hmm. it to The Can, mm-hmm. and then it became I thought can. It, I thought it was a... Uh, anagram for communism, no. something and nihilism. That that was made up, and then someone in the band later, sort of tongue in cheek, said, "Oh yeah, that's what it is." Oh, okay, yeah, very good. I'm glad we brought that but, up. But yeah, I mean, is this? I, I I think it's interesting how Nick is saying it's his favorite can song. It's definitely one of my favorite can songs. That's one of my favorite too. So, is there any degree of like hipsterism if you're like, oh yeah, I like can, I love vitamin C? Do we like? And, the end is is that like oh well oh uh, you're not maybe can't yeah is there yeah, any, any there, degree I, of that I, I, absolutely I yeah absolutely. I mean you know I think I think everybody that's like in music needs to love like can it's the same thing with like a lot of the bands that are like that and that, mm-hmm. didn't we do an episode on the shit like this yeah where it's like oh the band television or you know like just just certain like right. cult bands or whatever mm-hmm. that you're supposed to like but you right. don't really know anything about right mm-hmm. so can is one of those for me. That drives me crazy, you know, sure. because I've been listening to Can since the '90s, yeah. baby. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. that's and that is what. Remember the the giant argument we had when I was like, "Oh, yeah, Phil Collins in the air tonight." Of course, you like in the air tonight by Phil Collins. Do you like anything else by Phil Collins? But then, yeah, but Phil Collins isn't an avant garde fucking band. I mean, it's Phil I, Collins. Uh, if you're gonna like a band that's like I'm Phil just, Collins, I'm just saying, like, it's easy to pick the the top song on their fucking Spotify. It's easy to say you like a band and then say, what songs do you like? And just say, oh, I like that. It's like, well, yeah, everyone likes that. Get into it, baby. Let's go. Let's start deep tracks. Get but also, to some cuts. degree, you shouldn't be, if if you've listened to it all and you know it all and vitamin C is still your favorite. Yeah. Don't, but you don't, should don't, know that. don't no, shy away from that look, just to shy away from it. But yeah. you should know that, though. You should always have a Yeah, backup. but if you're like, yeah. if you're like, look, I love vitamin C, but turtles have short legs, it's even better. You, yeah. should, you, know what I mean? you like, should have that as a backup. You should be like, I love vitamin C. Turtles have short legs is pretty good too. Like uh, just, yeah, to, just, just to, to clarify out there. that you're not yeah. uh, just a, a bandwagon can fan. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's go to the next tune, which I believe is one of my choices. It's a slow burner. I'm going to skip around. That's a tape edit. I don't know if you heard that. That's uh, the band Can mm-hmm. uh, mm. off the album Future Days, and it's the song Future Days. Okay. Mm. Future Days is my one of my top three favorite albums. As you guys know, King Crimson Islands, Kid A Radiohead, and then Can Future Days. Can I ask when this was released? Yes, you can. Uh, this was, what, 73? What is it? 71? Spotify is saying 73. 73, yeah. So... This this album is like the pinnacle of Can because it's mm. it's what I love about it is that it's really restrained, it's smooth yet it's like very complex but transparent. How pretentious do I sound? But it's transparent, mm-hmm. which is a new word I've discovered in music. I feel like that that is so like um, sophisticated or like refined, transparent, and it's the pure. What does it mean musically? It, mean, it means like the pure. The pureness of the band, like the mm. most real the band can be, mm. transparent. Like there's no frills, nothing. It's just the band. And demo, this is Demo Suzuki's last album, so this would be the end of sort of the middle era of Can. Um, demo leaves the band after this, but Demo also is at his most restrained. He doesn't sing that much on the record, but when he does, mm. it's glorious. This is a must listen all the way through, top to bottom. Future days. Uh, also, at this stage, well, top to bottom is how many tracks, though? 
I don't know, four, four. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like a, you know, it's, it's like side A, side B really. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, dude, first presses of this record are like 800, $900,000, you know, like all these early camp kraut rock, by the way, kraut rock is like the most expensive fucking vinyl. It's insane. It's mm. all in Germany and it's all crazy expensive. Wow. It's like outrageous. The mm. first presses at least. Yeah, sure. It's like fucking outrageous. Mm. Uh, but anyway, I digress. I'm just going to go full pretentious. That's fine. Yeah, just be transparent it. about it. You know. Yeah, I'm just going to be transparent. Yeah, just don't say you like future. Just don't say you like vitamin C. Yeah. So this is I don't because it kind of I feel like maybe anyway I'm not going to get into health stuff, but vitamin C gives me the shits. I'm just going to throw that out there. Interesting. Um, but future days. That, and that's and that is what I was talking about with the crazy German films from earlier. Right. Oh my god. Ah, smut films. Scheiser films. Scheiser. Ah, I see. Like the the human caterpillar, the human centipede. <laughs> yeah, centipede. No, the, yeah. No, the human caterpillar. No, yeah. that, that oh, was the German version. Yeah, yes. the, <laughs> the human caterpillar. Yeah, <laughs> the German version was banned in the United States. Um, but at this stage, they're in their inner space studios, and I think they were in the album before this. I'm, I believe Tagamago was the last album in the castle, um, but I'm not 100 mm. percent sure. But anyway, in this middle phase, they're now in inner space, which is their really well known studio where they did a lot of this really great stuff. And I think now they like dis- um, disassembled the studio, and it's in like a modern art museum, which is kind of crazy. Oh, interesting. But um, they used to call that studio. What they did is they gutted the inside of a movie theater. And they mm. turn it into a recording studio, and they put big, huge blankets all over it, and they called it the in, the elephant's stomach, like the inside Ooh. of an elephant's stomach. Okay, uh, and that's the Inner Space Studios. So, mm. anyway, one of my favorite records of all time, a, and we're boring Nick to the point of him yawning through this this episode now. No, but I wanted, that's okay. I wanted no, I wanted to ask that because it was called Future Days, and it's really the first time because like so the last two albums that we listened to. Tagamago and the the okra, um, those are funky. You know the drums, mm-hmm. the bass lines. Those yeah. I, I'm I'm into that because that's like I that j- meant to mention. Wikipedia actually lists the genres of those songs as funk and avant funk. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense to yeah. me because I like it. It's like jam bandy. This mm. was the first time I heard from Can, and I could be completely wrong, but the first time I kind of really got that cosmish, that space. That hmm. futuristic, out of this world sound. Yeah, and is that tied into the album title "Future Days"? Yeah, I mean, how great is that as an album title, "Future Days"? Mm-hmm. Such a great like, album. Like this title. is what you'll be listening to in the future. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I think so. Th- there certainly is a different feel to this album than all the other albums. There's less of the punk rawness to it, and more of, like I said, like a refinement. Um, and I and and it sort of really is the end of an era. You know, because now we're going into their later works, mm-hmm. um, which can be, you know, I mean, why don't we get into it? Yeah. Let's get into it's it, like, baby. like Led Zeppelin. You know? Yeah, it's like Led Zeppelin. That song is Splash. The album is what is the album on this one? Soon, Soon over, over Babaluma. Yeah. Um. So, what? Who's the band? The, uh, the band is Can. Uh, I mm. don't know if you know that. That. Mm. So to me, when I I picked the song because uh, this isn't something that I'm like putting on my playlist to listen to. However, this song kind of jumped out at me because it seems as if they took like a Latin salsa some conga music as their baseline and then they just added all this avant-garde jazz horns this is where from what i was saying earlier how much shit is just in this song how many different instruments and i would love to see the credits of this song because there's a million things going on and just that repetitious i'm not even positive like the latin sounding part of that song i think you're hearing cowbells maybe but that no. Latin comparison is interesting. I didn't really yeah, if you thought play, of that. Play it from the beginning, because you jumped in the middle, didn't you? This is the beginning. Yeah. 
It's like there's like you know because well one it's in seven so uh, one two three four five six seven but the other thing is Yaki Libizet at some point ended up turning his drums over so instead of using the kick drum like a with your foot he would flip the kick drum over upside down and he only played with his hands which is very common in like now I don't know if he's doing that here but you could certainly hear the mm-hmm. the beginnings of that is he started playing only with his hands, nothing with his feet, which gave it a very robotic, but also that you get that with Latin music, with, with timbales and congas, mm-hmm. you know, you're playing with your hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I'm yeah. wondering whether that is the beginning of that. Also, I think this is still a two-track album. If not, it may be the first time they started mm. using multi-track, but I think it's the next album that they started mm-hmm. doing that with Flow Motion. Yeah, it is two-track. It is two-track, right. Yeah. I think this might be the last two-track album. Mm. Um, but anyway, but but they didn't have a, a, a singer on this stuff. You know, I think a couple of the members did some singing here and there, but it would certainly started going more in the jazz. You know, in this, some of the later stuff is really great. There's certain songs in particular that I really like. Some of it ends up being a little bit meandering for me. It ends up being a little bit too jammy mm-hmm. and too all over the place with a little less structure. Yeah. Although once we get into some of these later ones, I feel like that they kind of find themselves again. Yeah. But this was sort of like Malcolm Mooney, Damo are gone, and now they're sort of this like, let's just jam a lot. Yeah, they're, and that's kind of what I was saying. These there, aren't the most a, popular there's records. There's a lot of th- stuff going on in this song. The reason why I picked this one from this album is because of that I like I said I I hear a Latin salsa kind of vibe to it and that makes makes a lot of sense if that is how he was playing the drums and I, I don't know I just kind of liked it it's, it's another long song that kind of goes all over the place um but yeah I mean I don't know I I just kind of I, I that song to me like you said I'm glad you said it Scott is meandering is like it's almost too much like all right we get it like it, like the horns seem like there's like a dissonance to them that's yeah it's like it's they're like, it's like it's missing something you just it's like you're trying too hard like just jam it jam it can jam yeah look you can't win them all yeah. you can't win them all and you unless you're the Beatles you can't win them all especially if you're betting and you're probably asking Nick what the hell are you talking about well we got a brand new show here on Paper House Network it's called Buddy What's the Bet with Alex Pavone but you know what don't take my word for it take it away Alex Buddy you want some action on the big game maybe hit a parlay or two then listen to me comedian Alex Pavone and the hilarious Steve Sylvester and my podcast on Paper House Network it's a fun look at the world of sports gambling. I'll bet the house you'll love it. Buddy, what's the bet with Alex Pavona? Only on Paper House Network. Wow, I love that beat. Love Wait, that does beat. it keep going? It's actually only 20 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it says it's 48 minutes long, Nick. Oh, see. So we're on there. Did you just... <laughs> I guess I just kept the record <laughs> no, button on. Yeah, you there's just a kept... Hit, there's a hidden track There's a hidden the track end. at there's the end of this ad. Place Her Majesty at the I'm end. Going, uh, I'm going avant-garde in... Yeah, uh, pe- just in, silence. ...in podcast Cre- ads. Credits by... Uh, I mean, uh, Nick, this year, you did the music for that. I did the music. I mean, I just grabbed something from GarageBand, but you know, I did it. I think nice. it was beautiful, and you did a great job, yeah. especially with the 47 and a half minutes of silence. silence. That it was added. a real John Cage move. Is there a hidden track at the end of that ad? I hope not. I hope not, too. It might just be me talking. All right, so here we go. This is one of my favorite can songs. So this is the band Can off the album Flow Motion, and the song is I Want More. And this is one song that I, like in late Can, that I absolutely love because mm. clearly they're experimenting with disco. Yes. Um, there's a disco beat on it, but it's avant-garde disco. And 
if you find the video for I Want More, they were on uh, the Pops or whatever it's called, like the show. Yeah, Top of the Pops. Top or of the Pops or whatever. Um, yeah. And this was their song charted at 29, I think it was, mm. which is pretty good for a band like Hand. Yeah. Um, and um, I just, I, th- there, there's like girls roller skating with like gold and there's like a guy like like juggling and stuff like and they're live on you know it really has a vibe mm-hmm. it's definitely like a feels like a cocaine fused yeah like disco rave for this psychedelic artist mm. yeah and totally i always have trouble i mean i first of all the first i actually remember the first time scott showed me this i was like wait what i think you showed me that video i was like wait this is can what the fuck um and I, I always do wonder when I see songs like this, I'm like, to what degree? We definitely assign it, oh, it's like an artistic avant-garde can thing. But to what degree do you think they were trying to cash in on a little little commercial success and riding the wave of disco? I don't know. Maybe they were yeah. or maybe they just were into the disco. Yeah. Like, I love disco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- that song is awesome. Mm-hmm. I remember, no, like, I, I was I on vacation yeah. with my family in Idaho and we were on yeah. uh, Lake something and we yeah. were on a boat and it had speakers and I was playing this song as loud as I possibly can on the boat with my niece, my nephew, my you know, like my mm-hmm. kids, and everybody was grooving. Everybody was dancing, and I was like, "They don't even know that <laughs> they're dancing. Em. They're dancing to Can." Yeah. yeah, that's well. That's a great, and that is, I think, a perfect testament to a band that just grows and evolves, and that mm-hmm. whatever they're listening to, and that whatever they are influenced by, and. Whatever they want to do, and that's the coolest thing about it. It's funny because they obviously did whatever the fuck they wanted to do, and that's punk rock, that's cool shit. They do what they want, whatever they like, that's what they're recording, and that's what it's all about. And then when it's like, you know what, maybe they got into disco because disco was popular, and they make a disco song because they fucking wanted to, and then that charts a little bit. It's kind of it's kind of ironic, but I just I agree. This is very uh, disco-y. It's it, it's fun. It's catchy. I think a lot of people actually probably could get down to this. Uh, it might actually make an appearance on the Nick Angelo's Revolving Ten, which you can find here on Spotify with the link in the show notes. But you know what, which has been fun to listen to, I gotta admit. Oh, thank you. It's a nice little spot. You know, a nice little playlist that you can put on if you like shitty music. I'm just joking. <laughs> He's actually putting on a lot, a very eclectic mix of new artists, mm-hmm. classic artists, you know, and I'm not even being paid to say this. I'm, mm-hmm. I almost, I almost make it an, an effort to make sure that no one would like all 10. Interesting. That's interesting. I like, I like that. I like that. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I, I want you to enjoy them you all. You should but- do. You should have a podcast that you curate playlists. Yeah, I should. You know, I might, I might, do you know anyone? Well, we're at the last song of the evening oh, wow. uh, or day or middle of the night. It could be the morning. I don't know because it's a podcast. Here we go. That is the song Serpentine by Can off the album Out of Reach. Although there is a, there there's is some, a big some confusion, confusion here. Confusion they, they stuff had a with their late albums. They had a little marketing scare. So they, 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 they had this album Out of Reach. Then there's like a double release, Inner Space slash Out of Reach. And then they have a release called Can, which is the same. It's basically all well, one. slightly different, but basically inner, the same yeah. album as Inner Space. So it's basically, it's one, it's basically of, three yeah. albums that are the same album. Yeah, and why just did, released in various ways. Why I, did they do that? Who the fuck knows? And what year was I this? Um, this is late 70s, yeah, maybe? Yeah. 79? It has an 80s out of The original Out of Reach was um, 78. But then, yeah, these release... I, I don't get it, and I was I was actually trying to look it up. Like, what is the deal with this? Nobody really the knows. The only thing I could find is it says Inner Space and Can were just like two different names for the same release. But They're even ba- if you listen to it on Spotify, Interspace and Can, the recordings are actually slightly different. I know. So anyway. 
It's kind of um, crazy. Yeah. So who who the heck knows what's going on? But I think maybe it's a little metaphor. The band seems a little bit in disarray at this point. Um, obviously, demo gone, um, and we've got your Holger Tsuke is taking a back seat, not necessarily voluntarily. He's not playing bass here. The he's basically just helping on the production and edits and 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 making noises on you know, sort of like sound effects. So they brought in. Basically, like, they're like trying, pig noises. Yeah, yeah, and I th- <laughs> exactly. So, by the way, do you know that Jim and I are making a synth album? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the synth that is coming yeah. soon. Now that the country album's finished, yeah. a what? Well, it's done. It hasn't been released yet. Yeah. But what you made a country? I'm, album? Yeah, I made a country album. Huh. Get out of here. Yeah, I made a country album. It's finished. Crazy. And now Jim and I made a uh, synth album yeah. too. Jim and I, the synth daddies. Jim and I, the synth daddies, coming to you live from coming not live, just coming soon. Just to be clear, we're not called the Synth Daddies. Yeah, they are. But, um, so so they're moving in a... <laughs> I kind of want to change it to the Synth Daddies, because that's kind of great. <laughs> the Synth Daddies. Um, but anyway, back to the band uh, Can. So this this later stuff, I to me, it's it doesn't I like sound this. like Can to me. I know? like this but record. I all do, Gates, all yeah. Gates Open, the song All yeah. Gates Open is really good. Yeah. This but, personally, I feel like they find something in the in these yeah. al- albums. I mean, it's nowhere mm-hmm. near the future days. No, of obviously. course. But yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Though, is like I like something else about these albums, and it's not because it's canon. Maybe this is what Nick was saying when he said "Let It Be" is his favorite song, but not his favorite Beatles song. These are. I don't think of these as like, oh, this is. If you if you want to learn about Can, listen to this. It's the end. You know, it's the end of yeah. their career. They're doing something else. They were going for, I think, a more refined almost in some cases like a proggy sound that's why holger is not playing bass he was not very a very technically proficient bassist so they bring in this guy roscoe gee and you that's one of the reasons i picked this song is you can hear the bass work is does not sound like uh it sounds like it sounds more like fusion yeah exactly can can i describe this song if i if i can Mm -hmm. try have you ever seen a movie where the majority of the plot takes place in the 70s and people are just partying and discoing and doing coke and just doing each other and just partying super hard? That was like the plot of the movie and their lives all fall apart. And then like at the end of the movie, it's like kind of the early 80s and they're trying to get their lives together. This is the song that's playing when they're trying to get their lives together. Huh. That He just explained it in Pittsburgh. Yeah. That's like a, a way of explaining something. Well, that's just that's happening. You now. explain that in Pittsburgh. I don't know. I, I just I feel like this is the. Song. I disagree because actually I really like I really like these records yeah. in a, in a, in a, in their own way. I think they're really cool. Like I like I feel like they're pretty interesting records from like a common folk person who like kind of on the surface likes disco jazz hmm, fusion. Interesting. Yeah, I was actually gonna say I hear more like direct jam band stuff that comes out of this where i could say specifically the disco biscuits and bands in that vein were like pulling stuff directly off these albums yeah uh, like it's it cr- like and these are not canned so- albums that i listen to i think i'm going to more now sort of thinking about that but to me it was crazy hearing that comparison because i don't think in the jam band world people are like oh yeah can was a huge influence on these bands but they had to have been can was a big influence on jazz yeah. electronic mm-hmm. On uh, everything, yeah. yeah. There, if you go to whosampled.com, which I highly recommend that you do, and type in can, they're sampled by a lot of mm-hmm. different types of artists. In fact, Scott and I were kind of diving into this the other day, and we saw that the Killers pretty much just ripped off uh, a can song and a noise song. They basically just <clears> mash <throat> them together and have their own have a song out. And I think, um, I, I believe that the. Uh, the uh, they get a writing credit to one of the members of Can. In, in I mean, it, it, it's Noi. It's the Motorik beat, you know. Yeah. But I mean, that's 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 ripped off a lot. But this is very very literal. But yeah. it's cool. I mean, yeah. I don't mind it. I'm not gonna lie. Like, okay, that's awesome. That means the Killers, who are one of the biggest pop bands of all time, mm-hmm. you know, they're playing Can. Yeah. Just I mean, Radiohead you- is one of the be- be- biggest pop bands of all time. They are hugely influenced by yeah. by Can. When, oh, yeah. when I say rip off, it doesn't necessarily have a negative connotation. I mean, God, Led Zeppelin's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait. 
I can't <laughs> wait for the Led Zeppelin episode next week, which is going to override the Wu Tang well, episode I mean, now. I, I want to thank everybody for allowing me to have a pretentious episode. Yeah. It was really Nick's idea. He wanted to go pretentious. I wanted to nerd out a little bit more because we were we had fun. We had we were silly for my birthday and stuff, and that's what we do. We want to do both. We want to do everything. We want to get nerdy. We want to talk about all these knobs in the in the studio, and then sometimes we want to just talk about dumb songs. And what is this song? This, this is song, Paper House. This is uh, Paper House. Just which, in case, because maybe he wouldn't know, and he was like, "What is this? I don't know." No, I. I, I okay. looked at the show notes. Listen, folks, I have a big announcement. Paperhouse Network, the song which named this network, is now officially sponsored by Voodoo Ranger. So go out, get yourself a can of Voodoo Ranger, oh. and enjoy it. And listen back this whole out, uh, this whole episode. Every time we say avant garde, take a sip of Voodoo Ranger. Guarantee you'll be hammered. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. All follow us on Instagram and shit. Paper house.